I was so taken by Max Lucado's new book, You Were Never Alone, I bought a series of copies for them for my family. It, uh, the subtitle, I think, speaks about it, Trust in the Miracle of God's Presence and Power. And it talks about being in difficult times. I mean, there's some remarkable stories in it. And uh, Max Lucado has written uh, a number of books, over 40 books, and they've, been so, they've sold over 100 million copies. And yet, sitting down with him in this conversation, it was like sitting down with a friend I'd known for quite some time. You're going to love uh, meeting Max Lucado. I know you were really taken even just by working with him and through with his staff, right, Chris? Chris Shields is with me, our co-host on uh, on this season of Brave Men. Yes, I, I love, um, you know, just the way that they're just so... Um, yeah, it was down to earth, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, it wasn't like real. challenging. This it guy's written, uh, like, how many books have they sold? 100, 140 million? A lot. <laughs> like tons? Yes, like... All over the world. Crazy, yes. Yeah. Like one of, the, one of the best known authors in the world. Yes. And yet working with him and his team. In fact, the first interview we did, it actually, his microphone dumped. Yes. About five minutes into it. And he apologized probably 10 times. Hey, man, so sorry, so sorry. Super nice guy, authentic. Yeah, but it's amazing because with guys like him, you mm-hmm. know, that have literally touched the world. Yeah. You know that they haven't touched the world because they haven't first touched Jesus. Wow. You know, that's so good. And it's like, the reality is, is Mm -hmm. he has gotten to a place where he has not gotten stuck with, you know, Oh, I'm a king in a priest. No, he said, I'm focused on raising and magnifying and glorifying Mm -hmm. the name of Jesus in every opportunity of life I have. And that's what you see. And that's why he can write a book like this. Yeah. And it changed nations and worlds and touch people's lives. Yeah. The first one he wrote, he was actually in Brazil. He was a missionary. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think on the anvil was the first one, but I think the first one that actually, you know, everybody found out about was, uh, 1985, 86, somewhere around. Yeah. No one, no wonder they call him a savior. No wonder they call him the savior. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That was it. That was, that was like huge. Yes. It came out and went crazy. And, and here he is coming back from Brazil Series of circumstances. We we talk about it a little bit. And then he comes back to uh, San Antonio. Yeah. And he's asked to be the pastor of this church. And uh, so he starts into it. And he keeps writing. Yes. And people keep, I mean, it just it's like it just a God touched it, man. But isn't it funny, though? Like, that is the book that he wrote. You're never, you know, no wonder they call him a savior. Mm-hmm. And then now he's writing a book called You're Never Alone. Yeah, he's centered. He has stayed on Jesus on almost everything he's done. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. And it makes me think of yeah, a, yeah. a statement you told me a while back about, you know, the um, reality of how people think mm-hmm. that God left Jesus on the cross. Yeah. And nah, it's like, no, yeah, exactly. this is what even he's touching on. Yeah, God never turned his yeah, back on Yeah, Max son. is showing us. Yeah. He never turned his back on him. He was never alone. He said he'll never, never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And I Psalm really feel like, bro. yeah, somebody out there needs mm-hmm. to know that. Yeah. Whatever Come situation on, or circumstance you're in right now, God has not forgotten you. It's not done. It's not finished. Come God on, does man. not end on a negative. He always ends on a positive. So guess what? Better days are ahead. So I'm about to interview Max Lucado. Following that, I'm going to interview Chris. <laughs> You got you, you're on a roll on that thing, man. But it's true, and that is the inspiration, and that is the beauty of uh, reading books like this because they just uh, fire us up. Yes. Man. And you're going to love this interview with Max Lucado uh, today on Brave Men. It's Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. 
talking with uh, Max Lucado, and Max, you've written a new book called You Are Never Alone, which is uh, really a book. It says, trust in the miracle of God's presence and power to me. It was a book absolutely filled with hope in a period of time in which people are losing hope during this COVID season. What, what was the motivation behind writing, writing this book? Well, uh, by the way, thank you for the time today. It's a great, great privilege to talk to you. Uh, I, I've, I picked up on loneliness as an epidemic prior to the pandemic and wondered how we could uh, address it. You know, I came across some statistics like uh, uh, 20, 26% of millennials say they have no friend. Wow. 26%, one out of four. And I, and I thought that's just tragic. I mean, that's the, that's the season in life in which you'd hope to be making lifelong friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, loneliness is, is just really taking its toll on us. And so I, again, long before the pandemic, I, I worked on a series of messages for our church and uh, approached this idea of being never alone by looking at the miracles of Jesus in the gospel of John yeah. for two reasons. One, he said that I recorded these that you might believe in Jesus and in believing have life, have life, that vibrant Zoe life that the Bible talks about. And then, and then second, I was struck uh, by the fact that all of his miracles help people. All of his miracles help people. You know, if he wanted just to display his divinity, uh, he could have done things like uh, levitate above people or cause a, a flock of geese to become a flock of crows, but he, he didn't. He, everything he did was to benefit someone else. And so I went into it uh, for that reason. How can these miracles reveal life? How can these miracles reveal the heart of Christ? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as, it, as in God's providence, the book was almost finished, Paul, by the time lock, lockdown uh, hit in the spring of 2020. And so I was so thankful that the project was already on the runway. Uh, and I, I do, I agree with you. I think it's a, a good, it's a timely word for yeah, this it- day. It, it's incredible. And, and you, so you went through John and, and I found that thread immediately as I read the book and you started going through the different uh, pieces of, of the miracles. And one of them that really, really hit me. In fact, I talked to a number of people about it over the last couple of days after having read the book. Uh, and that is the, the man from uh, it's John Forts, the man from Herod's court. Mm-hmm. And, and the title of the chapter is uh, The Long Walk, let me find it here, The Long Walk Between Offered and Answered Prayer. Tell me about that. Where did, where did that come from? What a, what a story. It, yeah, it right. is the second miracle. The first is water to wine, and this is the second. And uh, he is in Capernaum. His son is dying. But Jesus is in Cana. And so it was at least an 18, maybe 20-mile walk from Capernaum to Cana, but something that he had heard about Christ made him believe that if he could somehow get Christ close to his son, that his son would have a second chance. And so he made that long walk. Uh, and the first thing he did when he reached Jesus in Cana, he fell on his knees. Again, this is, a, this is an official. This is an important man. He's used to giving commands. He's used to seeing his commands obeyed. But he fell on his face, fell on his knees. I'm seeing him down on his face. And he's Mm. begging on behalf of his son. 
what a picture of a what a father does for his family. That's uh, if, if if we didn't do anything other than learn that lesson, that our job as fathers is to be the primary intercessor, uh, appealing to Christ to be kind to our family. You know, so he said, "That's oh, right. Go ahead. That's right, there, brother. That's what we talk about. That don't talk to your children about God until you first talk to God about your children. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, that's Amen. That's Amen. right there. And so this is a great father. He's asking God for a miracle for his son. Absolutely. He's interceding. It's a perfect mm-hmm. picture of intercession. Now, what's interesting is that his request is, please come with me and heal my son so that my son will live. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, maybe he's used to, you know, calling the shots and controlling things. So he's actually telling Jesus how to answer his prayer. Wow. Now, Jesus then responds and says, will you not believe unless you see signs and miracles? This mm-hmm. is an interesting response. Maybe he saw in the request of the man uh, a contingent faith. I want to tell you how to answer my prayer, God. I want you to come with me. And so he says to the man, you go home. Your son will live. And this is, this is the moment of truth for the man. Uh, this is the moment, Paul, that he has to choose if he's going to walk uh, by faith or if he's going to, you know, stay there and insist that Jesus come with him. And the scripture says he, he took Jesus at his word and mm. left. Uh, I, I'd like that to be said about me, you know, that Max took Jesus at his word and walked by faith. So here he is in between the offered prayer and the answered prayer. And he makes that long walk back. And, and just uh, not far from his house, he hears the servant say, your son has been healed. Max, I, I, that is what hit me. I, I've, I've read this so many times, and that's why I appreciate uh, men like yourself. And that's why I read uh, a lot, because I find these different things. And you saw something here that I had not quite seen. When that man turned and walked away, he walked away without the the contingency, as you said, of his request. And how much faith did that take, man? Yeah. In fact, in fact, maybe on that walk, it was filled with some apprehension also, right? As you mentioned. No doubt. Uh, you know, I would imagine that there, I mean, I guess the guy could have sit, turned on a dime and whistled and, and high-fived people all the way home, but that's, that wouldn't have been me. That would have been a long walk. It would have been a long walk. And, and some of your listeners are right there on that walk right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you've offered a prayer, and you're walking by faith in the direction of an answered prayer, but you haven't seen the answer yet. And I think this story teaches us or urges us, just keep walking. Mm. Just keep walking. Just keep moving in the direction of an answered prayer. Uh, stand upon the promises of God. And don't give up. And when the man was close to the house, that's when he found out that the son was healed. And his first question was, now, when was he healed? And they said, yeah. they told him the time. And turns out that's the time that Jesus declared the healing. And then John 5, when you talk about moving towards the answer, or keep walking, John 5 is the man at the pool of Bethesda. <laughs> and uh, you, you really brought this in. We're talking with uh, Max Lucado about his book, You Are Never Alone, which just came out. And as I mentioned to you, uh, Dr. Lucado, just before uh, we, we started the recording, I've already purchased a number of the hardbacks for my family, and I'm getting some for friends 
uh, and I just want to recommend this to everybody. You are never alone by Max Lucado. But, uh, but this, this story right here in John 5, where, where the man's laying by the pool of Bethesda, 38 years, and Jesus asks him, do you want to be well? Well, most of us feel like, what kind of a crazy question is that? But what you brought out was so good. It was, it's, it, and if you will, it is a West Texas sort of thought right here. Because <laughs> you, were, you were born in San Angelo and grew up in Andrew. Is that right? That's right. That's Permian Basin. That's, that's, that's oil country. They say that you know, the, when the oil is, is uh, being burned off, you can smell it. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. My dad would always say, that's money. That's smell that that's money smell of money <laughs> but here's a here's a, in the west texas sort of like looking at it very pragmatically jesus is actually looking at the man saying are you telling me in 38 years you couldn't somehow get somebody to take you to <laughs> close to that water yeah th there's there was the belief that that water had healing power right and so a lot of people gathered near the pool of bethesda I, I think just the fact that Jesus showed up where so many sick people were says so mm. much about the character of Christ, yes. that he is drawn to people who are hurting wow. and he spots this man and, uh, and he knows the man has been, been there, has been sick for 38 years. And that, that he asked him the question, he said, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Because I, I think that's a question that is worthy of being asked. You know, sometimes we can get stuck in life. And maybe the man could have said, he didn't, but he could have said, no, you know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I, I get enough money in my tin cup to buy the beans and the bacons. I, bacon, I can, I can kind of get through the day uh, because getting up uh, means I have to get on with life or get a job or get better. And so there, there is a season of life that we can get stuck. We're, we have inertia. We have inertia. Mm -hmm. and, and the question of Christ, maybe to some people that, you're, that are tuned in today, God is saying, now, do you want to get on with your life? Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Are you, do you want to be a better dad? You want to get unstuck. Do you want to get unstuck? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is so powerful. So he heals him. And then, and then relating to that same uh, man before, he says, stand up, pick up your mat, and then walk. Yeah. Right? And Absolutely. Then how, and how did you relate that, Dr. Lucado? Oh, I, I love that. You know, stand up, pick up, and walk. Stand up. Okay, do something. Do something. Uh, you know, maybe it's writing a letter of forgiveness. Uh, maybe it's calling uh, somebody with whom you've had an argument or fight. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's uh, calling a pastor or a counselor. Maybe it's joining AA, but do something, stand up and pick up. I love that because Jesus is saying, you're not coming back here. Bethesda's in your rear view mirror now, buddy. You're, it's time for you to move on with life. So disconnect yourself uh, with, with this, you know, when I was 20 years old, that, that's when I became a, a, a disciple of Christ. And I, I've done some dumb things in my life, but a smart thing I did, I, I, I disconnected myself from a circle of friends, mm. uh, with my drinking buddies, because uh, I knew they were, I wasn't strong enough to pull them with me, but they were strong enough to pull me down. 
and I, I, I called them and I said, you know, I, I gave my heart to Christ last weekend and uh, I won't be hanging out with you anymore. And boy, they gave me a hard time. They didn't think I was serious. But, wow. but in my case, I had to, you know, make a break with the past. And I think, I think Jesus is saying that to him. Now, if you want to get better, there's sometimes you got to make a break with the past and walk. Walk in the direction. Walk toward an answered prayer. Walk toward a new you. Uh, be excited about what's coming next. You know, as, as he picked it up, he, he didn't just say, stand up. He said, pick up your mat. And I, I think about it like when he picked that mat up and then walked out, there were a couple things. One, people would be saying, hey, wait a minute, haven't we seen that guy? Yeah. <laughs> and then secondly, he's carrying the mat. He's all, wherever he goes, he's carrying his testimony. Oh, good word. Good word. <laughs> his mat becomes yeah. his message. Yeah, oh, that's good. That's, that's fantastic. Good. I, you know, yeah. so uh, you are never alone. Now you started writing. You were missionaries in Brazil, right? Yeah, uh, like I said, I, I became a disciple uh, when I was about twenty. Uh, I changed uh, peer groups, and I began hanging out with a group of guys uh, who had invited me to go to church with them there in college. Uh, they were all preparing to be missionaries. And, and you so were I at, said, you were at Abilene oh, Christian. Abilene Christian, yes, sir. Do you know that school? ACU, yes, sir. Yeah. Great school. Great school. And yeah, uh, I didn't, uh, I, I'm trying to think, that was, was Sammy Baugh at that school? No, he's TCU. He's TCU. That's right. That's right. Right, right. I, I know that because his son, David, was my high school football coach. Come on. And so I got to meet Sammy Baugh. Sammy Baugh was from Sweetwater. And right. uh, small West Texas town, and we all play, always played them each year. Yeah, he was the yeah. first great passer to come out of yeah. swinging. What an, swinging what an arm! Hmm. Yeah, Did you play football, or are you a football fanatic? Or well, I, I love. I played uh, a little bit of everything. I was more of a baseball player. That's really what I ended up, you know, playing in college. I played basketball and baseball in college, and then you played uh, a number of sports also. I did. I loved it. And I still love it. I still love sports. But, you know, I never really excelled in anything. You know, I had a funny thing happen in uh, Pony League, you know, that that uh, league in between Little League and high school. Right. Uh, the first first at bat of the year, I hit a home run. Oh, my God. Everybody thought I was going to be the superstar. I didn't get a hit the rest of the year, the rest of the season. So I went one for about 80. <laughs> oh boy, was I discouraged. You you raised expectations. Oh boy. So I've I've never I loved high school football. Uh that was great for me. It it got it gave me some self-confidence, but I wasn't good enough to play in college. Who were the uh let, let me hit that uh for a second because I I am of the opinion, here we are with Christian Men's Network talking with Max Lucado, and we're and with uh, the center point of our conversation is you are never alone. The book that he's just written it's uh, tremendous and, and an uplifting, revelational, not just inspirational, it's inspirational, but it's a revelational book. Uh, but let me ask you this, just as a guy with, with, uh, with our men that are listening, uh, how, how deep of an impact did coaches have on you as you were growing up? Huge, huge, uh, both positively and negatively. Mm. Um, there was a, a coach, the negative, uh, well, God bless him. Boy, he was vile. His mouth was, he would cuss us out and he would, 
He, if we weren't doing our push-ups right, you could expect chewing tobacco spit on your hand. Uh, he, he, was just, he was just an angry man. So God bless him. But on the positive side, I think of Moody Connor. Uh, Moody was an elder in the church where I attended, but he was also a coach. He wasn't the head coach, but he was on the coaching staff. And it was the most wonderful thing. Uh, as a young man, uh, I wasn't walking with the Lord. But to see him leading prayers at church, uh, teaching Bible classes at church, but then to see him, you know, coaching our football team. He coached the linemen, so he was my coach. And, and to see that consistency, to, to, to see, and my dad uh, became very ill, and, and Coach Connor would go visit my dad, uh, you know, uh, in, in my dad's later years. So, so God bless Moody and his family. I think he's gone on to heaven now, but uh, coaches are, um, yeah, they have an amazing impact over a young man. Hey, this is Chris. Let me take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to remind you how to get in touch with Paul and Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Christian Men's Network does special events across America and around the world. You can find all the information at cmn.men. Click on events. We also have tremendous resources for churches with special discounts for groups on that website. Everything a church needs from A to Z to mentor and disciple men of all ages and backgrounds. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Max Lucado. Max, I feel like if, if the churches in America, the life-giving churches in America would raise up coaches, there are youth sports leagues across America closing down because of, for lack of coaches. Uh, my grandchildren were in a couple of leagues where the, the only person that could show up to coach was a lady who knew that the kids needed somebody. She didn't know anything about the sport. She showed up to make sure everybody had a team that they could play on. And uh, what, what would happen, man, if we, if we raised up coaches, sports coaches yeah, yeah. across the United States, high impact. In fact, uh, coaches, sports coaches, actually, uh, in terms of the integrity factors, or one of the highest integrous uh, factor type people in the community. Really? Yeah. And uh, it's amazing that now you had you, this book, you got really vulnerable in a number of areas. And one was where a man like a coach uh, took you and some boys away. And this is most, one of the most remarkable pictures I've ever seen of, of anybody that's shared this stuff in print. Uh, this guy took you guys away for a weekend. He uh, abused you and the other four boys. Mm -hmm. And you were extremely open with what happened on that. Was that hey, a difficult uh, thing to write? Was that? It's an interesting thing, Paul. Uh, let me tell you the story and then answer the question. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just, just super brief yeah. summary of the story. He presented himself to me and several friends as a mentor saying, I didn't have a son. I'd love to, you know, hang out with you guys. And he was a, a kind man. At least we thought uh, he would have us over for burgers. Uh, we'd watch football games at his house. Uh, I do remember he had, he had Playboy magazines everywhere, all over his mm. house. And, you know, I, I, I didn't tell my dad that. I probably should have. But he took us on this camping trip. And as we unpacked the suitcase, uh, uh, the sleeping bags, we saw a box of uh, a case of whiskey 
And he worked his way through that whiskey and worked his way through our sleeping bags all weekend. I was 12 years old. And you're 12 years old, your little brain cannot process that. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's just horrible. He dumped us off at our houses on Sunday evening, telling us that uh, don't tell anybody if, if, if you do, they'll, if they believe you, they'll blame you. And I believed him. I mm-hmm. said, okay, but they'll, they'll blame me. And so I didn't tell anybody. My parents mentioned that we'd had a communion service at church that day, and I really desired something. And so uh, there I was at the age of 12, after my parents went to bed, I staged my own communion service. I found some, I couldn't find crackers and juice, so I found potatoes and milk. And and I stood there in my pajamas and freshly bathed, and and Jesus, uh, I thank Jesus for saving my soul. Now, here's the deal. Jesus met me there, Paul. Mm. He met me. It was it was very supernatural. Uh, it was it was uh, it was the most beautiful one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. Mm. And he took that moment and and healed me, healed me. You see, the reason I've not shared that story over these years is because I was healed and, and I didn't, it, it wasn't a factor in my life. I, I don't have a fear of authority. I don't have a fear of intimacy. As I've talked to people, as a pastor, I've talked to people who've, who've dealt with this. I realized that, that, that Jesus healed me instantly. It would heal me instantly. And I praise his name today for that. Jesus, I praise yeah. his name today. I bless him. And I believe that healing power is available. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I now share that story, hoping that people will do what that little 12-year-old version of Jesus did. I, I didn't know anything, I, but I thought if I can just get in front of Christ, if I can bring myself in front of Christ, rather than retreat or run away, if I can just come to him, I believe healing is, is possible. And, and so I urge anybody who's been through that to take it to Christ. Yeah, it's an amazing story because of being 12 years old. And thinking, uh, you know, it's the Holy Spirit just yeah. basically directed you. No doubt. That communion, knowing no that, that regardless of it, whether it was a milk and potato, yeah, it was, it was really about the bloodline of Christ. Mm. And that that blood was about to wash you clean and cleanse you. And when we talk about that, 2 Corinthians 5.17, you know, when Paul says we are new creations, it didn't just mean, you know, we have a new start. It meant we're actually recreated, mm. new creation. And, mm. uh, you know, it's an amazing story. So thank you for the courage it took, uh, Max, to write that story, because it is the story of, uh, particularly in the world in which we live today, sadly, it is a story yeah. of uh, hundreds of thousands of young men and men who are still dealing with, and they're dealing with rage, addiction, uh, they're dealing with uh, Proverbs 4 says, what you keep in your heart, you become. Mm. So they're dealing with acting out the things they hated. And, and so, uh, you know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, if uh, I, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. This is when he appeared to him just before he left. And, and he said, uh, he said, whatever sins you forgive are forgiven, whatever sins you retain are retained. You know, the church took that. A number of hundred years ago and decided that there were a group of men who could actually forgive sins. It's not what it meant. It meant basically whatever you release from your heart is released. Mm. Whatever you keep is yeah. kept. Jesus said, I think it's in Matthew 10 when he said, uh, it's out of the heart the mouth speaks. Mm-hmm. 
And so um, we become what's in our heart. So the cleansing of the heart is a real thing. And, and so for every single man listening right now, uh, this is one of those things where uh, brotherhood comes in, mm-hmm. where you grab some friends. And you talk a lot about that. You, you don't necessarily talk about brotherhood in this book in that sense, but it is all about brotherhood. Because mm-hmm. Jesus with John, Lazarus, uh, you with a bunch of guys rope swinging into the, was it the Guadalupe River or something? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so these pictures and models come to us in this book over and over. Yeah, and we need we need healing. And as as we're talking, I'm just offering a prayer on behalf of any any man who's listening, who's uh, heard that story and said, "Oh my my, that's me, that's me." And I would like to tell you, my friend, you're not guilty for that. You're mm-hmm. not guilty for that. And that was wrong what they did to you. I declare it in the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. But but that 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 what what the devil intended for evil, a God can use for good. He can use for good. Don't you know this ticks the devil off? It just pisses the devil off. Totally. Here, here we are. Uh, what he intended to he wanted to destroy those five young boys. You know, he wanted to destroy us. Covered with shame. Uh, but here we are. You know, I'm 65 now, and uh, that was 12 years old. So I don't have, I don't know if I can do the math quick enough. But that's a here we are celebrating decades later the story yeah. of Jesus uh, because of the power of Christ. And yeah. and whoever's listening, they, Jesus will do the same for you. He'll take your pain, and he'll turn it into a possibility. Like you said earlier, Paul, he'll take that mat and and make it your message. You know, the, uh, uh, and, and again, it's, uh, I go back to the very first miracle that you talked about in the book, and it's the first miracle John talked about, the wedding at Cana. And again, it's that water, that dirty water, <laughs> those six jars. What did, you, you actually figured out how many bottles of wine that made. I, I think I'd have to look Seven, at the book. I think it's not, was it 750 something? Yeah. I actually got that out of a John Eldridge book. Ah. John, had, John had calculated that. Yeah, that's a lot of wine. And so he he not only turned water into wine, but he turned water into a lot of wine. And it was so good that the that the master of the of the wedding said, Why why didn't you serve this first? Because what Jesus does is always in abundance and always in great quality. And he took that that water, because that's the, the water that was used to wash people's feet as they went in and out of a party for three days. The, the, the water is dirty. It's covered mm. with scum and dirt and stuff. And he made it the best wine. And that is the picture of what we're talking about right now as you prayed for men is that can be turned into the best wine. That's a picture of the life. That's what Jesus does. And the very first miracle showed that. It's fascinating. Hey, you were in Brazil. So you, so you meet this circle of friends. You end up going to Brazil as missionaries because out of ACU couple other little things that you did. And that's where you started writing. How did that, what motivated you to actually? Yeah. Uh, I, I've always liked writing. I really have. Uh, it's kind of an odd marriage because as you know, in West Texas, it's all about football and rodeos and uh, literary skills are hard. To, you don't find many, many young men interested in, in literary stuff. Yeah. But, but I think that was a call on my heart because I loved it. Mm-hmm. Even as a high school junior and senior, anytime there was a, a writing assignment, I got excited. So when I, uh, when I 
became a disciple. I, I use the phrase became a disciple because I was a Christian at the age of 10, but I was not following Christ uh, in my teenage years. But at the age of 20 is when I said, okay, I'm going to turn my back on that mess. And, and, and that's when I ended up in seminary. And that's, as, as you know, seminarians uh, do a lot of writing, a lot of, a lot mm -hmm. of papers. And uh, several professors said, you ought to, I think the Lord's hand is on this part of your life. And, uh, and so by the time I went to Brazil in 1983, I was thinking, uh, I'm going to write a book. And so while I was in Brazil, I, I, I took a bunch of articles that I had written for magazines and I put them in a book and I submitted it to 15 publishers, got 14 rejections. And, and then finally, number 15, Tyndale House Publishers said yes. And so that opened the door to writing. And I, I've just kept writing ever since. And, and the first book? Yeah, it's called On the Anvil. It's really not worth reading. It's just a little slender volume. But, you know, it was a first attempt. And then the second book, No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, was more of a personal uh, encounter with Christ that I had in Brazil. Yeah. And uh, from then on, I, I've, I've just kept writing. I, I write a, about a book a year. Yeah. And, and uh, this one was... you're holding is number 42. Yeah, no wonder they call him Savior was the one that, that really made a mark. Yeah. And then you came back and you became the pastor of Oak Hill Church, Oak Hill's Church. Yeah. Uh, that was part of what you did. I, I, I read it was fascinating. Uh, 1990, I guess it was, you stopped even taking a salary from the church. Well, that's true. I mean, I, it's not to be great sacrificial. Books have always provided me ample, ample income, more than I could ever imagine. Mm. One, one of my great memories of those years in the 90s is getting involved with Promise Keepers, and that's how I met your dad. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, boy, what a man. What a man. We, uh, we were all in, in Colorado Springs. Coach McCartney had gathered a group of uh, Promise Keeper teachers to, to plan what became the pastor's uh, conference in, in Atlanta that was a very mm -hmm. life-changing event. And uh, I can recall everybody had opinions on what to do. Everybody, as you, you, you know, you get a bunch of preachers in the room. Everybody's standing up. Everybody's standing up. And your father didn't say much, but when he spoke, you remember that E.F. Hutton commercial? Yeah. You know, that when, when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. You, he didn't stand up. In fact, I couldn't even see him. He's over in the corner across the room. And he said, but everybody got quiet. And whatever he said calmed everybody down. He's, <laughs> it was like he said, now here's where we need to go. Here's where we need to go. I remember he had his deep voice, right? And I didn't know him. I wish I could have gotten to know him. But that's the memory I have of your dad. This Fantastic memory. Thank you, Max, for that. And thank you for this time. Uh, I, I, it's fascinating. I'd love to sometime... Uh, soon uh, also get back and start talking and talk in it if you will just dedicate something all to father and fatherhood and fathering because i know you do a lot of mentoring uh you are a father in the faith and i know you've accepted that role because it, it shows up in the way you write the way you speak to people it is you know paul said you have ten thousand instructors but not many fathers hmm. and the difference is an instructor tells you what he knows but a father gives you who he is. And that difference we see in you. I've been talking with Max Lucado. Thank you for being a part of the Brave Men podcast today. And uh, the book is You Are Never Alone. You can find that on Amazon. Uh, and you can find that 
also on my Facebook. I'll be talking a lot about it. Uh, I actually did a little Facebook Live this morning from uh, a parking lot of a Starbucks in Southwest Washington. Because <laughs> that's all I had. And uh, live, and I talked about some of these miracles and uh, remarkable book. Thank you for uh, the effort that it takes. And uh, like Sam Chan, our friend said one time, he said, uh, writing and preaching is like giving blood. And um, so thank you for that. Thank you. It's, a, it's my honor and it's a great honor to talk to you. God bless you, love. God bless you. Man, it is so refreshing to know that we can live this life and never be alone. We have a God that is never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. It doesn't matter if Come we're on, in man. the depths yeah. of hell. doesn't yeah. mean if we're, you know lost in an island it doesn't mean and you know it just makes me think of this story of me living this actually reality mm -hmm. out i'll never forget this i was leaving the parking lot of christ for the nations institute and i had a flat tire and i was lost and i didn't have a gps because my phone was cracked wow so i had no way of getting to my destination and i just said holy spirit I need you to lead me there. I know I've wow. been there before, but I don't have any recollection of how yeah. of getting to this destination. I just need you to lead me. He said, like, Chris, I got you. Wow. And he just says, okay, turn left here. I'm like, okay, this is not looking familiar. Yeah. Turn right here. I'm like, it's still not ringing a bell. And then I said, and then he says, turn left right here. And then I stop and I'm like, oh, I remember one thing about this tire place is they only take cash. And I'm like, so I have to stop here and go inside and get cash. I go in there, wow. Paul. And I get cash and I walk out and there's a man that is broken. And he said, hey, you need to pray with this guy. I pray with this guy. Mm. And right when I'm done praying with this guy, I look across the street and lo and behold, guess what's there? The tire place. The tire place. <laughs> and it's like, God never leaves you. I thought you it was going to be Max Lucado. Was no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but God is your GPS. Yeah. That's it's awesome, amazing. Man. And Max should have put that in the book. Well, uh, he probably will take yeah, that now. <laughs> that could be his next book. God is your GPS. <laughs> God is your GPS. That's fantastic. Let's not tell him. Oh, okay. Don't yeah. tell him. Let's keep you it a keep secret. Keep that for you. Yeah, I will. You can make that a book. It'd be fantastic. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you what, Chris, we have had some of the most amazing men on yes. Brave Men. You know, I had a friend of mine tell me the other day, he said, um, he said, I've been listening to a few of your podcasts, he said, but the fascinating thing is I went through the list of all the people you have on there. He said, it's incredible. Some of the most amazing men in the world. You know, John Eldridge has been on. Yes. All sorts of different guys. But Max Lucado, that's the real deal right there, bro. Yes, he is. In fact, we don't even put them on if they're not the real deal. No, we right? don't. Yeah, no. Those guys you never heard of. Yes, right? nope. We've actually done 85 shows, but we've only done 60 now because we knock out the other ones. Yes. <laughs> no, it's not true. No, just kidding. Yeah, so, but Max, what a great story. And like I said at the outset, I bought a uh, half dozen of those books, hardback wow. books. And I told him, I said, dude, I paid retail for this, man. You know, I went on Amazon and bought him, got him sent to the house and gave him to my kids because I felt like the stories that he had and what's in this book, You Are Never Alone, uh, was so encouraging. And in the midst of, and he didn't, you know, it was, he started writing it before Corona. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't like, okay, COVID happened and then you got to write it. He was already writing this, and then the coronavirus hit, and then he wrote uh, like a few notes at the front uh, right after it hit, and we were all locked down. And he put those notes in the front, 
and then bam, there it is, is the perfect book. But it's funny you say like that, um, because even before that, because, you know, there was a little process of getting him, you know, to do the interview, because a lot of people right. want him to do interviews. Right. And we actually originally had gotten a different book from him that he wrote, and it was called Jesus, um, The God That Knows Your Name. Mm. So then wow. he writes that pri prior, and now yeah. he has You're this book, alone. You're Never Alone. You know, and it's just amazing how he is literally showing us that Jesus mm -hmm. is not a mystical creature that doesn't yeah. care. He is a person that is alive. He yeah, is he well. Real. He is real. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah. And he's given us this wonderful invitation to be seated with him. He makes it real. I want to thank uh, yeah. Max Lucado uh, for being on with us, for his team. Uh, for making this happen for you Chris and making it happen and uh, here's a young man the, the beauty of this for me and for you and I as we uh, listen to him on Brave Men today a, a young man raised in a little town called Andrews Texas who has an experience with Jesus yes goes to be a missionary in Brazil comes back starts writing it comes back and God uses him to speak to millions of people around the world your life is important every single one of us listening to this right now your life and we need you to do what god's called you to do we need you your community needs you your culture needs you your family needs you your church needs you we need you to be you and um, and i think that you are never alone speaks to the fact that you can do this that god will fill you with courage and strength and anointing in his presence and you can do what you were called to do thank you for being here with uh, chris and i and all of us here at christian men's network send you our greetings and remember this hope is alive hope has a name hope's name is jesus you just experienced brave men with paul lewis cole paul is president of the christian men's network connect with paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.man.